Hi guys, I'm Nick Bester. I am the founder of Best Athletics, and this is episode seven of the Best Athletics podcast. I'm joined by a very special guest, our very own Anya Culling, who absolutely smashed Berlin Marathon. Welcome, Anya. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, we haven't even been back a week. It's been crazy. <laughs> How is the post-race depression? Is it kicking in or do you not have one after this race? Oh, no. So I don't have one after this race. Um, I can't wait to get back to training. We can go into all of this, but so many blocks before I've just, just really wanted to get to the taper. I've been like dead. I've been like, we'll recover, run the race. And then I can't wait for some time off. And I'm just so like motivated now and so excited. I know I need to give myself time to recover. So I'm definitely taking it easy, but I'm excited to see what's next. <laughs> you marathoned out for the minutes. I remember like as we finished, you, you came to me and you said, you know what? I've just realized I've done more than three marathons within a year because you did London last year, Copenhagen, which was later yeah. this year, um, then, then the usual spring marathons and then straight into the Berlin block pretty much actually. So no, I'm not surprised. You deserve a bit of a break. And um, at the <laughs> time we're filming this, this is, you know, we've just passed Berlin a few days ago. And I remember last year, it's bringing back such good memories because London Marathon last year was a week after Berlin. And um, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just run with you. I, I know you, I, obviously I had known you'd leveled up. And um, I was like, this could be a bit tricky, you know, having done an all-out attempt at Berlin. Mm -hmm. And then we started going and I was kind of like hiding my pain because I was like, I'm your coach. Like, I, you know, I, if, if I show you pain, <laughs> you're going to feel pain. And um, yeah, I just remember embracing everything. And and it's crazy because that's sort of like the series of events that that kicked off for you after you ran 236 at London a year ago, pretty much today. Yeah. Like, Actually. what a year, hey? Crazy, yeah. How are you feeling compared to this time last year? Because you, well, at the end of your five marathons in five weeks, how was your recovery? <laughs> no, so I did four marathons in four weeks. Thank goodness okay. there wasn't another one. But um, do you know what? It's it's funny because I feel like the body's good to go again. And um, I think because I've, I've done a lot of, like I generally do a lot of high mileage. So I do a lot of 100 mile weeks. And when you do that and you taper, you do like a 100k week the week before marathon in marathon weeks like a 100k so it's you know substantially less than normal even though you give it a full send your body's kind of like you know uh, i can go again and there's been a lot of comments on on my strava or social media saying nick you have to reload like you're in shape like go for 220 again and there's you know frankfurt's coming up valencia and obviously it is a bit tempting because you're like you have done a whole lot of good training but at the same time you know, we're both not fools to marathons. We know you got to respect the process, enjoy yeah. it. Honestly, like I'm, I'm, I'm just happy. I'm not doing four marathons in four weeks this year because yeah, that was that was a bit crazy. I think that the marathons were the easier part. It was the flying and traveling and airplane food and hotels and stuff. That was the the trickier part. Yeah, I watched your race vlog this morning for Berlin, and your travel there seemed a lot easier than your travel to Copenhagen. I was like, so stress free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was boring i know there's always a bit of pre-race drama before every race yeah so how are you feeling about your berlin performance obviously like just to remind people listening you ran a two three five um yeah which is simply phenomenal it was not a pb for you you ran two three four so basically one within a minute of your pb um yeah. 
and having had run straight into that block off Copenhagen is, is pretty phenomenal. You finished third British female overall, 35th overall? Yeah, 35th, I think, yeah. Okay, so, so how was the race for you? Like, could it have gone better? Was it what you were expecting? Yeah. Um. So I kind of forgot that I'd done three marathons a year. Like, time goes so quickly. Um, And I think that is the biggest achievement of, like of it like that's to back up three marathons one after another has squashed any kind of self-doubt I've had and maybe like I was like is this a fluke like is this a one marathon kind of thing because I think there's something to do one really good marathon and then there's another thing to back up miles on miles and week on week and rebuild and go again um I think that's so much harder um and I'm yeah so I'm really happy with 235 London Marathon was the first one. Um, that was the best I've executed a race. And maybe the common factor there is you were there with me and uh, pacing me for that. Um, that was the only one I've like uh, equal splits. Copenhagen, I went out faster. I went out 232 pace and finished with 234. And that was just losing it in the last 10k um and I actually almost put on less pressure for myself for this Berlin block and I kind of didn't know what shape I was in um it was a whirlwind of a block I quit my job I I moved house everything and I was just loving this new like life as a runner um and I just wanted to do as best as I could and I think if I had predicted a time, I probably would have said about 2.35. I think that was my mm. level of fitness. I went out at 2.34 pace, um, lost it again a bit in the last 10K. But I think a bit of that was mental. It's easy to say now, but it was more like, got to finish the last 10K. Obviously, it was so hard. Like the first thing you and I said, Nick, at the end was my gosh marathons are hard but maybe I lost focus in the last 10k and wanted to finish it rather than kept being like grind 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 yeah yeah no I I honestly think like I said to you straight away um you know from as as being a coach I think it's a phenomenal result like two three five was the number of a really good performance and it was another really really good performance and you know there's so many variables in a marathon and the fact that you keep delivering is is awesome and good signs and I think we'll definitely plot the way forward for next year and and what numbers to hit and the, the build up to some of the bigger goals but yeah like I think for a lot of people listening out there like how did you mentally sort of reset in such a short space of time like obviously a marathon build and marathons take so much out of you mentally Copenhagen was end of May okay yeah and how long was it between the Berlin training kicked off and obviously like you know your passion for the sports it helps a lot because you actually really mm -hmm. do love running but like did you find it tricky or, or how would you be able to advise if others are on a similar boat so this is this I thought about this the other night and it actually is quite amazed me after Copenhagen I really did let my hair down like I didn't do a lot of training for a good few months after um, I was going out all the time. I was having a good time. I was running when I wanted to run. I was doing some sessions, but not performing. Um, and I kept saying I was going to do Berlin. And then someone said to me, oh, have you got a place? And I was like, no, no. And they were like, oh, well, you can't do Berlin then because the ballot's closed, like the entry time is closed. So I wasn't even like really 
preparing for Berlin until I was lucky enough to get in a sub elite place, which you also got. And then I did a 10 week block. Um, so I kind of kept it at base fitness, but I wasn't really doing many sessions. And I just did, yeah, 10, 10 weeks. And the last two weeks of that ended up being a taper. So I really do think eight weeks is fine for like a marathon build. Charlotte Perdue at the end said um, her best marathon well, before Berlin, I don't know about her build for this one, but her PB before that, which was like 223, um, she only did an eight week build. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, like for a lot of experienced runners, eight weeks is actually sufficient because you, you actually maintain a relatively, you know, high level of fitness throughout the year. But I think, you know, for a more inexperienced runner, let's say more like, you know, a 12 week block, I think is probably mm-hmm. good. I know some people do 16 and even 20 week blocks, but like, you know, huge respect to them because I don't know how you can dial it in for, obviously it's not at, at that level of intensity, but to just, you know, immensely embrace a, a 16 week block is is like a lot to, yeah. to undergo. So yeah, I think that that amount of time is perfect to really lock it in and, and get the best out of you. Um, okay, should we talk about the... Uh, sub elite and elite race experience a little bit like obviously yeah. it's the first race we've both ever lined up um in the elite entry and uh at copenhagen you were in the elite entry and i had to say goodbye and catch up to you um after the start this one was completely different where and and i think berlin is like the most elite stacked field that you get with kipchoge Crazy. there um you know, say for smashing the world record, like it was the strongest female field by far. So you could just sense the level of eliteness in the air, in that area. It's incredible. And the level of focus, like I've never actually seen or been around anything like that. Um, Like I think as much as I focus and try and focus, like I just look at some of them and I'm just like, are they living in a different world? Like, how do you focus that much? It's incredible to see. But yeah, um, yeah I think we were the keenest beans there because we came out of the area uh, <laughs> and head off to like the start before anyone. They were still going yeah. through their routines and listening to music and stuff like that. And, you know, I remember uh, chatting to you and, and next thing there was like six or seven photographers around us just taking photos. And it was like such a surreal experience because, you know, that just the other day we were, jogging around Battersea and now we're in an elite start in Berlin and you know laughing at each other but also fake smiling so that the pictures they're taking (laughs) looks pretty cool so how how did you actually find that that was pretty cool honestly who would have thought you and I in our yeah first elite start like together it was so funny like (laughs) I could say so many little things about that um one of the first things was uh we didn't, Nick and I didn't stay in the elite hotel, but I actually went to the elite hotel for the technical meeting before. Um, so I was in a room with all the athletes and they were going through what side of the road the drinks would be on and things like that. And there were loads of coaches in there and I said, and managers. And I said to my mum, dad, and my brother, you're probably not allowed in here. And anyway, there were loads of people had like guests with them. So they decided to come in and sit at the back. And they sat on a table and they were just decorating my bottles whilst like people were going. So Kipchoge will lead out following this car. And I was like, I'm never seeing that car. And I was like, my parents are just here, like the pipe cleaners doing my bottles. And that was 
really funny. But they were like the managers, other other um really big time managers were like also decorating some of the like African nation people's bottles. Um I thought that was a really funny and like <laughs> humbling experience being like, we're all going through the same motions. Um and then we I scooted to the start line on race day. Uh and I was like, oh, like this yeah like this is so funny like I'm so out of my depth I'm just scootering and yeah Nick and I were one of the first to start warming up and I was literally warming up in my pajamas and um Kipchoge was like there in his full red tracksuit sitting next to you on the bench um I think we were fangirling a little bit (laughs) without you there I might have got a little bit emotional like when I first saw you on the start line I got quite emotional and we hugged and then and then I was like okay we're calm we're calm we're cool um let's just race now yeah just just pretend we're in Battersea doing doing what we do every week um but that was hilarious I can't believe you showed up in your pajama pants you were the only person in the elite area with pajamas but it actually looked pretty cool it looked super comfortable (laughs) yeah um how did you find the elite experience oh it was it was unreal eh like I think yeah I think it's it's a combination of one it's the day you've been training for so you do need to get into a zone but two like this is freaking awesome you're here with Kipchoge which is like my hero right like if there's one person I'd want to meet in the world it's Kipchoge and he's just walked in and he's sitting on a bench next to me it's like how do you not lose your marbles so I think it was a combination of you know being a super fan but at the same time like getting into the zone you know giving them um, the time and space that they need to prepare um and yeah i think you know it's it's also like it's i can relate a lot to the way that you worked yourself into an england vest when i tell you when i've told you in the past like you know don't let it be overwhelming you there for a reason like you've earned it you deserve it type thing and like you know in that elite and sub elite area like yeah i think i just snuck in by the skin of my teeth but at the same time like we work so hard we pour our hearts and souls into this like we actually do deserve to be there. So, yeah, I think it was a combination of you deserve to be here, um, but embrace this because, you know, you don't know how many more opportunities, anything can happen. And, um, yeah, that was just super, super, super cool. And I, I think, like, you know, there's different levels of elites. There's, like, this sort of sub-elite levels where we're walking around smiling, high-fiving, like, this is cool. Then there's, like, the elite level where it's, like, the Olympians, national record holders, like, you know, heroes of their countries, they're in the zone in their country tracksuits with Olympic tattoos and their names on. And then there's Kipchoge because when Kipchoge walks past, every single person with an Olympian tattoo even turns their head because they're like, this guy's like different level. Imagine how it must feel like being him, like knowing that you almost, you know you're going to win. It's just by how much and it's just like, wow. So cool. But I felt like he felt really... like he looked really humble and he Super would humble. be happy to give you a fist bump, which was incredible. But yeah, I think there was another big athlete at the big half and he had this like huge entourage around him and he, he was like a celeb rather than a runner. And he, he obviously was an incredible runner. I won't say his name. Um, but yeah, I felt like Kipchoge was, it made me love him even more. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's like so like, raw and real those moments because you know he's preparing to try and break the world record he's he's going to win berlin pretty much and we're all running on the same roads on the same it's not like he's there for like a 
a meet and greet or a Q&A or something like this guy's yeah. preparing he's about to take on the world record so that's yeah. so cool to to see and um yeah you know like I actually found that it helped me when I was when I was feeling a lot of pain especially in that last fifth of the race I just kept thinking like you know you're in pain but Kipchoge is like this guy he's on his limits as well and he's going a lot faster yeah. than you yeah he's probably or definitely more conditioned but it actually made it easier for me because I'm like if he can do that pace then I can do this pace and not complain to myself too much yeah is that how you broke up the race into fifths what was your kind of mental race strategy so, so the way I broke it down honestly first half I switched my brain off completely so like I got to halfway and my, my brain hadn't even thought like I'd saved my energy for that second half. Um, and then I usually break it down into seven, 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 the way I break down a half marathon. So 20, so 21 to 28, 28 to 35. And then I, from 35, I go, I break it down into five and then one, one, because you're obviously feeling the pain yeah. at the end. Um, this one, I tried to do something a bit different. I tried to, from halfway, get to 24Ks with my brain switched off and then really start focusing for the last bit. And then what I thought is I've banked time to break 220. Like, let me take my foot off the accelerator a little bit during 24 to 34. So that come that last eight, like, if I feel good, it's going to go down. And that was my thinking. Unfortunately, the reality of the marathon and the day kind of worked the opposite way. But that that's what was going through my mind. Um, and the way I broke it down, what, how did you break it down? Um, I was, I just did the classic. Well, so I said to Gabriel, who I ran a lot with, uh, if you find me, let's run together. If not, we'll run our own race. And he caught up with me. So I stuck with him for a lot. And I remember after the first 10K going, it's just a three by 10K session to go. So I guess I did. Um, yeah, I, I'd break it down to four 10Ks. Wow. That's a, that's a tough way to break it down because three by 10k is a tough session <laughs> i don't want to think of that when i'm doing a marathon it's amazing what 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 we all think of to to get us through yeah but i was going to say i had this strategy where um the, the last 10k so at every kilometer mark i was wearing green and the hotel i was staying in everything was green and so i kept thinking green basically and so at every kilometer of the last 10k i would find 10 things that were green and if i'd already seen a tree a tree didn't count like because if you're like focused on your senses uh like if you like stop now and try and listen to three things they're the only three things that's the that's all you can think about so like it took me a little while to find 10 different green things each time. And that's all I was focused on. So I'd forget the pain. Um, and by that point, I was about 700 meters into the kilometer. And I only played that game 10 times in the last, yeah, 10K. And I loved that game. <laughs> wow, that's insane. Did you not find that you were looking and moving your head to find green things? Or were you still in the zone? Yeah, but I, I'm not running as fast as you. I just. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. The the only green things I was seeing was green stars and flames at the, at the end. Um, but no, like I said, like when I spoke to you afterwards, I'm I'm really in good spirits about it all. I think, like on reflection, you know, to be completely honest, I don't know if I was in sub two twenty shape. I try to convince and mentally believe that I was yeah. because you need to believe. But in all honesty, and I think you know we're so in touch with our training and and paces. I think I was in. 220 and maybe 30 or 40 seconds shape um, and there's a big difference because then you go through halfway 45 seconds slower and you're comfortable yeah. for a whole lot longer but i thought like 
how could I not go for it? Like, I, I, there's no ways I'll forgive myself if I head off, you know, to run my second fastest marathon time ever and not give myself a chance at 220. So I had to, I simply had to go for it. And you know what? On another day, you know, I held it together for 80, just over 80% of the way. On another day, you can hold, like things click and you hold it. So I'm super glad I went for it and, and ran 220, Um, rather than running a safe conservative just over 220 because what's the point in that right yeah um but yeah i mean there were some super super speedy times in the day should we talk about the female sure. world record like yes. Asefa, she absolutely smashed it i think that's actually an understatement she knocked off yeah. like two and a half minutes she ran 211 high like we thought she could do it but we didn't think she could take that much off like yeah what i want to know now is one do you think the shoes made a difference the pro evo shoes and two do you think the world's female or do you think the females are going to break 210 in the marathon before the males break sub two in the marathon yeah so i don't think you can put it completely down to the shoe i'm sure the shoe is brilliant but so are so many different shoes and i know those evo ones are a whole lot lighter than the pro threes but they're not that much lighter than um than like vaporflies like really so they're not going to make that much difference but obviously she's an incredible athlete i do think that the women are yeah i think she'll break 210 or someone will break 210 my theory is that the longer the distance gets like short distance there's quite a difference between a male runner and a female runner but if you go into the ultras they're so similar um like female top times and male top times so i think the marathon's kind of gone that way and the female times and the male times are going to get closer and closer what do you think would you try the evo ones are you going to get them um hopefully <laughs> so i actually i i spoke to adidas before the event i didn't realize they were so scarce at the moment and they only had like a handful of cir- uh, in circulation to circle around europe so you know had i got the pro evos before berlin would i have broken 220 no it it, it wouldn't have you know made me that much faster but at the same yeah. time like 138 grams for a shoe are you kidding me they, they look insane and you know to go out and and run the female world record by so much it's like <laughs> i think a lot of runners are just like that we want that shoe you, you got to try it once so yeah who knows i'm going to reload and go again in the spring next year so in april time most yeah. likely and if i can do it in a pair of pro evos incredible but if i can do it in a pair of you know pro threes just as good i don't think it's going to make a massive difference um but pretty cool to see not gonna lie yeah okay so what do you think about kipchoge 202 high he obviously was going for the world record again do you think that he's never ever going to break that time again do you think age is finally catching up to him like it's it's still one of the top 10 fastest times of all time but he was a bit disappointed and i think a lot of us know that on a good day he's capable of, of more like do you think he'll be able to have a crack at that world record again. Yeah, I think this will give him fire in his belly to go for it again. Like he is the greatest of all time. But then isn't uh Kipton doing Valencia? I think Kipton is it Chicago. I think he could beat Kipchoge's time at Berlin, definitely. 
and maybe maybe not now but maybe he'll be the first to do sub two I don't know what do you think <laughs> do you want to know what I think or do you want to know what my heart says <laughs> your heart is always going to be Kipchoge <laughs> <laughs> yeah obviously I'm a massive Kipchoge fan um so I, I don't want his world record to ever get broken um but at the same time like if you just look at the numbers Calvin Kipchoge he's incredible and I think Chicago a lot depends on the conditions obviously it's a similar-ish route to Berlin from an elevation point of view it's it's really really quick and I think if conditions are really good my prediction is he can go sub 201 and and break the world record um and yeah I I honestly actually believe that he can break two hours one day especially if he keeps on like he is so young still and he's got so many marathons ahead of him so yeah, I think if everything goes right and according to plan, he'll he'll break two. And I think he would do that either at probably Berlin or Valencia is my prediction. But remember, next year is the Olympics. So um, I think they're both going to give a spring marathon a full go. I have a feeling Kipchoge might do London, but you never know. And then obviously they're both targeting the Paris Olympics in the autumn next year. I think it's going to be yeah. the first time they're going head to head. So that's going to be an epic watch. But... I mean, surely age has to be catching up to Kipchoge because if you think about, you know, is London as fast as Berlin? I'm not so sure. So does he stand a realistic chance of breaking the world record at London? And then it's the Olympics. And then, you know, it's spring next year. And then his next Berlin marathon or Valencia marathon would only be in 2025, which he would be even older. So, yeah, I don't know how many more shots he's going to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Berlin's definitely quicker. I absolutely love Berlin. I was saying like... Barcelona half is is my favorite race but I felt like I was like skipping not skipping but like running along the beachfront under the palm trees and it was sunny but like Berlin it was so like dark and I felt like a a badass and it was like drum and bass music and I was like I feel like this powerhouse it was so cool I will I'll do it next year 100% I can relate I think, yeah, yeah, next year is the 50th, right? Okay, so we, we're both going to do it, okay. But um, I think, like, it's so well organized and those, those roads are so wide and open and fast and it's like BMW cars and it's German precision. It's just like, this race is built for speed, right? Like, it's it's yeah. good vibes, but it's like German precision. So, yeah, for that reason, I'll... And the vibes and a whole lot more. I'll, I'll definitely be there next year. Can we just talk about how freaking cool the team takeover was at berlin um i think they ended up being 44 of us i know um you were coaching quite a few runners that were doing it as well yeah uh yeah how awesome like just international team vibes incredible it was so so cool um best athletics is just crazy to be a part of at the moment and yeah like you should be so proud nick um it was yeah so cool just to see so many People from Best Athletics, people messaging me after being like they want to join Best Athletics. Um, yeah, big half the other week, a crazy, crazy amount of people. Um, yeah, so cool. I had three of my athletes. I had Carolyn Lecoq, Lucy Owen and Eleanor Triance all racing Berlin and all got a PB. So I'm really proud of that. Um, yeah, it was just a brilliant day out for everybody, I think. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, if I look at the the race results, um, and there were so many best athletes PBs that day, which was just 
very cool to see. And uh, yeah, I think the coolest thing, and honestly, you know, like you were one of actually my first ever athletes that I coached. <laughs> I think yeah. if I, if I, I think you, you currently like my fifth athletes that I ever started coaching. And if you think about like best athletics wasn't even created, it wasn't even a thing then, right? Yeah. So yeah, who knows what it's going to be like in the next few years, but hopefully we'll have even more of us next year at Berlin. Exactly, exactly. Okay, what's the winter got in store for you, Nick? <laughs> okay, so I think I just want to like have a little bit of a break from marathon training and, and you know, definitely just give the mind a bit of a break from that. So I've actually got a few holidays lined up. I'm going to Lanzarote for a week and then I'm going to South Africa for six weeks towards the end of the year to go see family there. Obviously, it's in Johannesburg. It's really like hot and hilly. So I suppose good for training in many ways. And I'll, I'll develop a good strength work and a good base. And then come back to the UK early Jan and work on some shorter distance speed and, and absolutely fly and then progress through to the marathon. I think race target wise, I'm going to target Cambridge half next year. It's always such a good one. Yeah. And then I'm undecided between targeting Manchester Marathon or London Marathon. Um, but I've still got some time to decide. And then I'll most likely do Berlin in the autumn. What's in well, store for you? I've got a crazy bit, crazy, some crazy plans. I would like to Scare me. take it up a notch again for London next year. So I'm actually doing a triathlon a week on Sunday, but that is just to survive it and get through it. Um, obviously, I'm not a triathlete and I am letting myself recover, uh, not doing a whole lot of training for it. Um, and then I'm going to go straight from there to Font for a bit of altitude training with some GB athletes, which is cool. But we're just going to be base training, easy miles, upper altitude, Um I don't know how many sessions I'll do. If any, I can jump on the bike for them. But um, we're all just, yeah, looking to get a little bit of the benefits of altitude rather than digging ourselves up into a hole. Uh, so Holly Arch is going out. I think Philly Bowden's out at the same time. Taryn Nicole is going to be really inspirational to be with all those girls. Um, and that's, I'm just going to bank that fitness. I'm not going to come back and race with it. Uh, just kind of like testing out altitude because I don't want to do it in a race block and it not respond well to me. Um, and then, yeah, train over winter. Don't have too many plans. Barcelona half is in February, which I'd like to give a gig go at. And then I'm going to South Africa for a good few months with Tommy Trees, with a few of the other Best Aesthetics guys and come back for London Marathon. That's the plan, and I'm so excited about it. That is wild. Okay, so are you going to South Africa after Barcelona half? Yeah, I think I want to go straight there. Is it Stellenbosch? Is that what it's called? Stellenbosch is amazing, yeah. You, you're going to have the best time, but there's a whole bunch of incredible wine farms. So work hard, play hard, but don't consume too much wine because you've got a marathon to smash. Um, you know what? I actually think after seeing the way you went and a lot of the team went at Barcelona half and what you have to say about it, I might actually have to target Barca half instead of Cambridge half. Let me do some deciding. You should. It's so it's like twenty five euros and it's like a square. It's it feels a bit like like the the wide open roads and the flat route feels a bit like Berlin. Okay, yeah. okay. But before this the crazy rest of the year unfolds. Can you just make a promise? Can we go for a drink and just celebrate the achievements 
this year and um, decide on, you know, pencil in some numbers on, on what's ahead next year as part of the bigger plan. Yes, absolutely. Let's do that. Yeah, let's have a proper catch up as well. Awesome. Sounds good. Congrats once again. You know, super proud of you. You delivered once again. Um, proud of myself. I honestly, I did what I could. And awesome catching up with you. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Congratulations again, Nick. Thanks, champ. Onwards and upwards. Let's go. Woo!